We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. It can totally revolutionize your life. And I don't say that lightly. The message of my title, I mean, message my title. The title of my message today is The Sovereignty of God. The Sovereignty of God. Most of us will use that word sovereignty when we don't know any other answer as to what's going on. We'll just go, well, it's the sovereignty of God. Why does this happen? Why is this going on? Why does God allow this or allow that? Uh, why do bad things happen to really good people? And on and on. How many of you ever had anything bad happen in your life? Raise your hand. Something bad. All right. This message is for all of us today. The sovereignty of God. The, the most important decision that you will ever make in your life is this decision. To surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the most important decision you will ever make in this life and the life to come. To surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ. The second most important thing that you need to know is how to view life. How do you view life? I want to uh, use these marker boards this morning to just give you an example. I was a math major and so I put everything mathematically. So here we have God, life. God, life. How we view God and how we view life. We must understand, this is important, that God is greater than life. God is greater than life. We must have this view. If we all of a sudden reverse this view and we say that life is greater than God, we're going to have real problems with how we handle life. Because if you understand that God is greater than life, then when something in life happens, you filter it through the fact that God is greater than whatever is happening in my life. There's something bigger going on here than just my situation. If over here you say, wait a minute, life is greater than God, then you're going to have an issue with God because what is going on in your life is greater than what God is doing in your life. So we have to understand how to view life. The view of God affects the view of life. And the view of life affects our view of God. And some people today have life as greater than God. Some people have God greater than life. And let me illustrate this because I want you to learn how to handle life. Because life is going to throw all kinds of things at you. Sometimes it's wonderful, it's awesome, it's great. And you go, thank God. Sometimes it's harsh. 
sometimes this mortality, are we still saying thank God in those situations? There was a young man by the name of Joseph. How many know the story of Joseph? I'm going to recap it for you real quickly. Joseph was a young man who had 11 brothers. Joseph was the baby and his daddy loved him a lot. Matter of fact, he loved him so much he gave him a very beautiful coat of many colors. Remember that one? Okay. The brothers, because of their father's favoritism and love for Joseph, they began to devise a plan of how to get rid of him. So they took him out one day, put him in a pit, took his coat away from him, covered it in blood. They sold Joseph. All of a sudden, a band of Ishmaelites were coming by. They said, hey, this is good timing. They sold Joseph, their little brother, to the Ishmaelites as a slave. They took the coat back to dad and said, he is dead. Man, that's some harsh brothers right there, right? That's some serious jealousy going on. So Joseph is now carried to another foreign country and a foreign language. He is then sold to Potiphar as a slave. But he rises up in Potiphar's kingdom to be a person of pretty good uh, authority. And, and now Potiphar's got a beautiful wife. Because all those guys did, you know. Beautiful wife. And so she was kind of looking at Joseph going, hey, I kind of like this guy. Kind of young and handsome and strong. And he's a foreigner, speaks with a foreign accent. You know, sometimes ladies like foreign accents and those kind of things. So she was attracted to him. And she came on to him. And every time Joseph was a man of God. And every time Joseph was put in that situation, he resisted her. Finally one day, she's like, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. So she came on to him real strong. He resisted her and began to run out of the room. She grabbed his coat, tore it off of him. What is the deal with him in coats? Oh, see, I never wear another coat a day in my life. And then she hollered to her husband, he tried to seduce me. Well, immediately, Potiphar's not going to handle that. So he takes and puts him into prison. Wow, that's fun, right? Sold into slavery by your brothers. You go from a pit, now you're back in a prison. He's in prison. And then a couple of guys get out and he says, hey, remember me when you get out. They didn't. They're gone. And so as time goes by, there's a Pharaoh that comes in and takes over. And this guy begins to have a lot of dreams. And so he usually has these, these people he brings in, these, these ones who can see the future and they've got all their incantations. And so he brings them all in and, and they cannot decipher this dream that, that uh, he's had. And, and so uh, all of a sudden one guy goes, hey, wait a minute, there's a guy in prison. That he interpreted some dreams of some men down there in the, in the pit. Really, what's his name? Uh, what was that guy's name? Joseph. So they go down and he says, well, can you come up? And so they, they go down to the prison. They get Joseph. They bring him up. They bring him in front of the Pharaoh. And he says, I have this dream. He told him the dream. And he says, can you interpret this dream? And he goes, yes, I can. He said, what this dream means is in the very future, there's going to be seven years of plenty a harvest is going to be overwhelming. And then there will be seven years of famine. And because he could interpret the dream, he was put second in command in the nation of Egypt. And so during the seven years of plenty, he was over all of that. He harvested it up. He put it into storage because he knew seven years of famine was coming. 
So he was in second in command. Everything's going good. The, the bottom line's in good shape. Pharaoh's happy. His wife's happy. Everybody's good. No more coats. This is good. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, seven years of famine hit. Boom. Well, dad and the 11 brothers are living where there's nothing. So dad says to the 11 brothers, hey, why don't you go to Egypt? There's, I hear there's plenty of food there. Go to Egypt and get some food and bring it back so that we don't die. So the 11 brothers take off and they go to Egypt and they've got to come before the second in command. And Joseph sees his brothers and he recognizes them. But they do not recognize him. But Joseph loved his daddy. So he said, hey, wait. Leave this younger brother here and you others go back and check on daddy. Come back, give me a report. So they leave, they come back and go, dad's died. What? And five times, Joseph weeps bitterly. Bitterly. They still don't recognize him. Joseph sees his brothers. Now how many of you know that this is about the time where most of us would go, uh-huh, it's payback. He punk sold me into slavery, bought some new chariots, had some new clothes, Told dad I was dead. He, he never knew anything about me. Never knew my accomplishments. Never knew what happened to me. And now you're coming here asking me for help. How many know that this took 12 to 13 years in jo Joseph's life? And by now, I got to tell you, 12 to 13 years, you can get pretty bitter. 12 to 13 years of being in prison, being in pits, being falsely accused of rape and all these things. And now they're coming before him. But in that moment, Joseph did something that boggles my mind. He revealed himself to his brothers. He said, hey, come close to me. And he revealed. And the Bible says they were terrified. Wow. Wow. The view of God affects the view of life. The view of life affects the view of God. Life can be very confusing. Harsh. Many times Joseph could say, hey, you know what? Life is not fair. Why is God letting this happen to me? I didn't do anything wrong. Seems like everybody else is having a great life. Why is this coming to me? I don't know if you've ever been there, but if life's dealt you some harsh times, you can all of a sudden begin to blame God if you feel like that your life situation is greater than your God. Because you're viewing the moment as greater than what God can do. And God doesn't care. And you've got all this blame and you've got all these questions. But if you view God as greater than your life, you'll respond like Joseph. His brothers were terrified. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, Joseph said, but God... God is greater than what happens to me. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Wow. Joseph was so mature in God that he looked back over every instance in his life 
And he said, you know what? Everything that you thought was harming me, God has turned it around and now is intended to be good for me. Everything that happens in your life, God is working it around so that it will turn out to be good for you. But it may take 12, 13, 20, 25, 30 years. In the midst of that time, we cannot be going around going, Why are you letting this happen to me? I don't understand. I, I don't... Why did you, uh, why am I this, why, why, why? You never hear Joseph doing that. Because he said, all these things you meant to harm me. Listen, how many of how many you have had people try to harm you in your life? I've had a bunch of them. A yeah. bunch of them. People lie about me. People talk about me. People try to tear me down and all these kind of things. My friends would leave me and all these things happen to me. It's happened to you. It's happened to everybody. All of us got troubles. Life brings you troubles, but how you view life and how you view God will make all the difference in the world. Because when life is greater than God, you're going to blame God, walk away from God, say, God, I don't trust you, I don't believe in you, I don't care, because you don't care about me. But if God is greater than life, you will all of a sudden begin to understand, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to cause this to work out to be good in my life. I don't understand your vision. I don't understand your wisdom. But I know that my greatest wisdom is foolishness to you. And God, I trust you. And I believe that you are causing all things to work about for good. To me, why? I've been called according to your purpose. I have your life in me. I surrendered my life to you. You are in control. You see, the word sovereignty or sovereign means this. That God is in control. Control. How many believe that God is in control? How many believe that God has all things in control? This is a big thing. We got this is the second most important thing to salvation is understanding life. There is a phrase that followed Joseph if you read his life in the Bible in Genesis, and it's this phrase: "And the Lord was with Joseph." It pops up all the time. And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Dwayne. Put your name in the blank. And the Lord was with. Say your name out loud right now. And the Lord was with. The Lord is with you. He's Emmanuel. God is with us. But in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our trials and, and storms, we all of a sudden begin to go, God! Last week, my message is still burning in my heart from last week. Because there were a bullet list in 1 Thessalonians about how I should live my life. And one of them was to give thanks in all circumstances. Imagine being put in a pit sold by your brothers, your coat taken away from you, telling your dad you're dead, and your dad going, thank you, Father. Man, what a great day. I will give thanks about God in all things. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is with me. Bless His holy name. Ishmaelites come along. What? Where are we going? Egypt. All right, let's go. God's got something big planned for me. Potiphar's wife comes along. Hey, you know what? I may be in prison, but God's got something. Man, I know I'm, I'm built for, for a higher purpose. God's got something in my life. God's at work. 
People forget about you, leave you down there. Then all of a sudden those brothers come up. They were terrified. We've got to understand that God is greater than life. Amen. You've got to read Isaiah again. Isaiah talks about this God that we have as a father. And it says between his thumb and his little finger, he holds the world in his hand. That's what Isaiah says. He then goes on to say that he uses the world, the earth, as a footstool for his feet to rest upon. How many of you are moms and dads here today and you love your kids? Raise your hand. I mean, you love your kids more than anything other than God. You love your kids. Raise your hand. Come on. Raise your moms, dads, whatever you are. How many of you love them enough to have sat down and counted every hair on their head and then given each one of them a number? How many moms or dads did that? Not one of you. And that's what the Bible says about God. He doesn't say he knows how many numbers are on your head of hair. He's got every hair numbered. That's hair number one billion five million. And when it falls out, when one numbered hair falls out, he knows about it. He knows about it. Now, you're going to say that God is that detailed about every numbered hair that's on my body, and yet he doesn't know when I'm going through health issues? He doesn't know when I've been abandoned by my friends? He doesn't know when I've had a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or a friend or a baby or a husband or a wife die. He doesn't know that I've got cancer. He doesn't know that I need help paying my electric bill. He doesn't know that I need his help right now. I'm telling you, God has all things in his hand. He's got it all under control. And how we do life is going to affect how we view God. And how we view God will affect how we view life. When bad things come into mind and save his lives, we praise God. And they say, no, you don't. Yes, we do. Because we know that every time the enemy tries to destroy, God is about to open the windows of heaven. God is about to do something good in our lives. And we start praising God right in the middle of storms. I've been praising God in emergency rooms. Praising God in the waiting areas for cancer surgeries. Praising God because I trust God that He's got my life. He's got my hand. He's got my family. He's got everything under control. And I believe His Word is true. No matter what comes in life. Come on. I'm going to make you grow up today. Carnal people, immature Christians are the ones running around. Oh. Come on. Mature people are going, hey, wait a minute. I may be in the pit, but God's got something. I, I, yeah, I just got a diagnosis of cancer, but God's got something. I just had a loss in my family, but God's got something. He's going to somehow, the things that the enemy means to harm me, God is going to intend to bring me good. God is going to intend not only for this to be good in me, but to be good in somebody else's life. Good in somebody else's life. It may take years, 
Just this week, I had a family in the church I pastored in New Mexico call and talk to me and go, Pastor, the way you and Sandy handled that situation inspired our faith. And because of that, the situation we're going through now, we've been able to praise and give God all the glory. Thank you, Pastor, for being a man of God. That did not happen overnight. We don't just all of a sudden wake up and be this. This takes knowing who we serve. Knowing your Father, and your Father knows how to give good gifts to His kids. A lot of you parents gave good gifts at Christmas. You know what you're doing. You know what they wanted because you're their parents. You got tuned in. You listened. You, you were aware. The Bible says that God's eyes are ever going to and fro. When a sparrow that falls, he knows about it. And that, that sparrow has no eternity involved in it, but he knows about it. He knows every little grain of sand on the beach has that number as well. Just begin to think about that. It will boggle your mind. And then to say that the people that he sent his son to die for, that he doesn't remember you, he doesn't know you, he doesn't care about you, well, that's the most ludicrous statement ever made by an immature person who doesn't know God. Yeah. Because if you know God, and you know his word, you know he cares enough about you to have sent his only begotten son to die for you and to die. We've got to say, not my will, but thine be done. Look at Genesis 45, 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold to Egypt. Don't be terrified. God has sent me here. I am here for you. Ooh. Joseph. How did you get to that understanding? God has sent me here for you. Everything that has happened in my life, God has orchestrated it so that I would be right here at this moment in time. For this one moment, I went through the pit. For this one moment, I went into prison. For this one moment I have been for the last 12 to 13 years tormented by you for this moment and now I'm here for you. Wow. That is mind blowing. Look at Psalm 105 verses 16 through 22. It's talking about God. He called down famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food. And he sent what? And he sent. God sent. You see, the brothers thought they were getting rid of him, but they were all the time working right into God's plan. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons till what he foretold came to pass. Till the word of the Lord proved him true. The king sent and released him. The rulers of the people set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased, to teach his elders wisdom. You see, God knows what he's doing. He is sovereign. We have to submit to the sovereignty of God. 
So the question today would be, do you trust God? When the bad things come into your life, do you trust God? Do you love God? You see, we're getting back to basic questions because these are basic things that happen in our lives every day. Do you believe the Word of God? I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. Will not God supply all your needs according to His riches in heaven? When it's bad, do you trust Him? Now, let's go back in time. God is talking with a man by the name Abraham. Remember Abraham? And God made some promises to him. He was 75. God told him to leave home and take all that he had and wherever he put his foot, God would give him. And God said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. God gave him seven, seven promises. God made a promise to Abraham. Fast forward. How is God keeping his promise to Abraham? Well, God sent a man named Joseph. And Joseph is now second in command where? In Egypt. And where did the nation of Egypt get birthed? Egypt was there, and the nation of Israel was birthed while they were there. You see how God keeps his promises. So you see, God is not worried so much about Joseph's life because God sees beginning of time to the end of time. God is working all this about because he has things put into plans. Your life and my life is not greater than God. God is greater than our lives. God may have made some promises to some people before we came on the scene. But He's using our lives to keep that promise. So, what happens is when these brothers come, here's what He does. He feeds them. Look at this. Genesis 50, 21. So, so don't be afraid. Here's what, here's what Joseph I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What? Yeah. Kindly? Joseph, I've got the things I can teach you, son. you got an opportunity. You can take care of some business here. But Joseph said, no, God has sent me. I am where God has placed me Amen. for you. And God made a promise to Abraham, Joseph doesn't understand all this, to birth a great nation of Israel. And God is doing it through the life of Joseph. So Joseph not only saves his family, his brothers and their kids, but he saves a nation of people. Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people Joseph saves 
because he was where God needed him to be. And you may say, well, pastor, how does that apply to me today? Because you and I, we all go through situations in life. And if we look just at that situation, and as we're going through it, we will all begin to question God. Why is this happening to me? I don't understand. And here's what we do. God, I go to church every Sunday. I pay my tithe. I read my Bible. I pray. I do everything you ask me to do. And still this happens. I thought if I, if I perform better, that you would treat me better. Well, how many know God is not a performance-based God? If He was, we'd be getting things we deserve instead of not getting things we deserve. Grace is saying, hey, you don't get what you deserve. Mercy says you get what you don't deserve. Thank God, amen. Thank God for that. Mercy and grace. But yet we're the first ones to blame God. We're the first ones to go, hey, wait a minute. This, this is not good. Hey, listen, I've had harsh things. You've had harsh things. But how we respond in that moment is important. Because the view of God affects the view of life. And the view of life affects the view of God. My God is greater. My God is stronger. My God is healer. My God is provider. My God, Jehovah God, Shalom, my peace, Sidkenu, my righteousness, and on and on. Do you know there are 365 names of God, one for every day of the year? Sometimes we need one of those names, don't we? Every day. God put Joseph right where he needed him to be. Think about Job. Job's blessed by God. And in one day, Everything is gone. One day. His house, gone. Kids, gone. All of his livestock, gone. 401Ks, gone. I mean everything. And then his friends, gone. Health, gone. He's sitting on top of a pile of pottery, taking it and scraping the boils off his body. Does he complain? No. He starts worshiping and praising God. I've never lost my house, my kids, my dogs, my cats, my livestock, my money, my health, all that. It was. And I've never had my wife turn on me and tell me just curse God and die. God's given me a good helpmate. Tell me through the hard times. Because when I'm feeling all alone and all, you know, depressed and ooh, look at the whinings. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody gets them. Everybody has chances to get them. My wife will come along and guess what she does? Oh, honey, you're right. You just sit right there. You have a pity party. You do whatever you want to do because you know what? God has abandoned us. God doesn't love us and God doesn't care. Let me join you. No, she comes in there and says, you know what? Get up. Wash your face. And then she starts quoting scripture to me. You know why? Because scripture is the word of God. And it never changes. And it is always truth. He fed those men, their kids, the nations. He saved them. Why? Because God had made promises to Abraham. And you know what? God keeps his promises. God's made promises to you and me. And yet we'll take those promises and doubt them. 
Why? Because we view our life at that moment greater than we view God. But God, are you aware? <laughs> Son, I'm, I've got every hair with a number on, on your body. I think I'm aware when you have a problem physically. I think I'm aware when all your friends are abandoning you. I think I'm aware about your financial situation. I think I'm aware about your marriage, about your kids, about your grandkids. I've got this thing under control. You've got to trust me. You see, I found out God is not really looking at where we are, but He's looking at where He's taking us. Where you're going. Because I believe God sometimes tests us. How mature are you? Way, let's check and see. All of a sudden, something bad happens. What am I going to do this time? Because you see, when I was 17 and my dad died, all I did was blame God and told him how sorry he was and told him if that's the way God is, I don't want anything to do with him. Because when I really needed him, in my opinion, he didn't show up. Left me all by myself without my daddy. What kind of God is that? Take away a 17-year-old boy's dad. What kind of God is, is a God who will take away an eight-year-old little girl's daddy? See, my wife, her father died when she was eight. That's not fair. But because of all these circumstances, how does a Louisiana girl and a Mississippi boy ever get together? Only in a song, right? Louisiana woman, Mississippi man. Only in a song. Somebody was at work. God's going, I got things I need both of you to be doing in your life. And I got to get y'all together. And if her dad would have lived, if my dad would have lived, we'd have never got together. You may say, well, that's harsh. God is not concerned about the moment that is happening in our lives. God is concerned about eternity. And how many people will spend it in heaven and how many people will spend it in hell. And he needed somebody to come to Ponca City in 2019 and say, Hey, your God is greater. Your God is stronger. Your God is a healer. Your God will never leave you nor forsake you. Your God is greater. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Because you're going through hard times. You're going through times to where everything seems to be coming against you. And everything seems to be welling up. And in those moments, the enemy comes in like a flood. Well, just quit church. Well, that's the worst thing to do. When you need a doctor, you don't quit going to the hospital. You go to the hospital. You go to the doctor. I'm sick. Well, I'm going to quit going to the doctor because I'm sick. That doesn't make sense. People have a hard time. I'm going to quit going to church because I'm having a hard time. That doesn't make sense. Then some people quit going to church when they're having good times. Well, everything's going well. I don't need to go to church. I have nothing to pray about. Pray for somebody else. Because they're going through a hard time. Pray for somebody in encouragement. God has a reason for me to be here today. God has a reason for you to be here today. 
Everything that has happened in your life has happened because of the sovereignty of God and He has brought us together in Paca City. And in 2019, I believe He's brought us together so that we can win this city, the surrounding cities, for the kingdom of God. That you are to be light in darkness, that you are to be salt in a world that has no salt, and we are to release the power and the anointing of God in this place. I believe that. People are hearing nothing but bad news. We need some good news. We need to see a God who is greater than our life. So today, what are you focused on? You focused on what's going on with you? Are you saying, God, somehow you're going to turn this all around for good? Are you over here going, you know what? Everything that happens to me in life, I know that God is going to take care of it. I trust Him. I, I just know it. And I can with 100% with confidence pray this prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not my will, but thine be done. Wow. I want us to all be Joseph's. I want you ladies to be Esther's. I want us to be Job's. I want us to be men and women of maturity in God. Because when I was 17, I acted like a child. I fought like a child. And I blamed God. But now that I've become a man, I've put away childish things. And I've seen a lot of child Christians who are thinking like children, little bitty children, not grown men and women of God. And we need to grow up in God and get a hold of the meat and say, you know what, God, I trust you. I believe you. No matter what happens, my faith will never be wavered in you. My, my, my faith will never be wavered in you because today I see God as my greatest and life subservient to God. It affected my view. Listen, we've all had tragedies and triumphs. And I found it very easy to praise God in the triumphs. And I found it very easy to blame God in the tragedies. When we don't know who else to blame, we blame God, right? Well, God's doing this and God's doing that and God did this and God did that and and if something happens good, usually we take the credit. Look what I did. Look what I did. No. The sovereignty of God. God made a promise to Abraham and helped it come about through the life of Joseph. God is helping a promise maybe to someone else come alive in you. So what you're going through today, you need to sub submit it to God and say, whatever it is, God, I know that you will cause it. Matter of fact, Romans tells us that God is able to cause the things that the enemy intends to be harmed for us to be good for us. See, I've often found that I go through a lot of hard times so that I can share that with other people. And how faithful God is during the hard times. So if you're going through something hard today, find how God is going to use it in your life to become greater.
message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.